In their own words, a collection of Mormon quotations is a valuable resource when wanting to know what Mormon leaders have said on a number of topics related to the LDS faith. Compiled by Mormonism Research Ministries Bill McKeever, In Their Own Words is available at mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Aaron Shafawalaf, my colleague at MRM. This week, we're wanting to focus on various witnessing strategies, just sharing some of our experiences talking with members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Sometimes sharing these stories, Aaron, I think helps encourage people who have perhaps have struggled with not knowing what to say or how to say it when they're talking with their LDS friends. Hopefully, our experiences will help them in this area. Certainly, we're not saying that our methods are the only methods. I would not want to be so arrogant as to say that, but certainly there are some strategies that seem to work better than others. And I, I want to talk to you today, Aaron, about an experience that you had with a young LDS couple. They were not married. They were brother and sister. Yeah. Why don't you tell us what happened in that scenario? It was at the southwest corner of Temple Square, and I asked this pair, this brother-sister pair, where they were from. They said they were from Vernal, and uh, they were both back from LDS missions. One was back early, I think, for a medical issue, and he was going to go back soon. I asked them, what would you say is the most important teaching of the LDS church. The brother's answer was the power of the priesthood to heal and perform miracles. And we should, we should explain to our listeners, if you're not familiar with that term, the priesthood is very important in LDS theology. There's the Melchizedek priesthood and the Aaronic priesthood. According to the LDS manual, Gospel Fundamentals, and this was published in 2002, on page 108, it says the Melchizedek priesthood is named after a man called Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a very righteous man who had the priesthood. He lived in the time of Abraham. He was a high priest. Before the priesthood was named after him, it was called the holy priesthood after the order of the Son of God. The name of the priesthood was changed to Melchizedek to prevent people from using the name of God too much. For a Latter-day Saint male who is a missionary, they are all elders and they all hold the Melchizedek priesthood. And according to the manual, True to the Faith, a Gospel Reference, this was published in 2004, and on page 102 it says, When a man receives the Melchizedek priesthood, he enters into the oath and covenant of the priesthood. He covenants to be faithful, magnify his calling, give diligent heed to the words of eternal life, and live by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God. Those who keep the covenant will be sanctified by the Spirit and receive all that the Father hath. So there's a little bit of background of what this young man was saying to Aaron. The brother described experiences of prayer and blessings where God had healed family members and friends. So what I did is I asked, do you think God answers such prayers 
outside of the LDS church? In other words, are there similar prayers that happen outside of Mormonism that God answers of healing? And they said, oh, yes, but they exclusively, as Latter-day Saints, have the uh, true priesthood. The sister answered the question, that is, what is the most important teaching of the LDS church? With the future of being with her family forever through temple ceilings. That's the most important teaching she offered. I offered to explain to them uh, how Christians think about each of these. Regarding priesthood healings, I, I simply said that God is good. God loves to heal people. He loves widows and orphans and the destitute and the sick. He loves to answer prayer. He's generous. He feeds the sparrows. How much more will he provide for humans? He clothes the lilies of the fields. How much more will he clothe his image bearers with glory? So that was just my way of, of appealing to God's goodness. I, don't, I didn't feel the need at the moment to go down the path of discussing priesthood. So I moved on to the next topic. The sister had said being with family forever was the most important thing. So I explained that for Christians, the most important sealing relationship that we have is with Jesus Christ. Christians call this union with Christ. We might call it adoption. The Father adopts us into the family of God. And Paul says that we Christians are in Christ. Very important preposition. This is a secure, permanent bond, and we receive it by faith. It's a free gift. The sealing is a free gift received by faith. When I am united to Christ, I am, by extension, immediately united to all those who are united to Christ. When I am sealed to Christ by faith, I am, by extension, sealed to all those who are sealed to Christ. I am in a forever family with all Christians throughout all time, and I will be with them forever in heaven and at the resurrection. And the best thing about heaven will be the personal dwelling and presence of Jesus Christ Anything apart from his presence will be an awful hell, an eternal punishment. There is no happiness to be had in dwelling in a separate kingdom from where Christ dwells. And for clarity, we should state that in LDS theology, Jesus does occasionally visit those in the terrestrial kingdom, but he does not dwell there, as you say. Now, the brother caught on to what I was saying. So uh, he could tell where I was going with that, and he conceded that in these bottom terrestrial and celestial kingdoms, apart from Christ, people were not as happy as they could be. I'm not really sure how we transitioned from there, but we got to talking about a summary of the gospel. I, I love to ask people if they've ever heard a born-again Christian summarize the gospel before, and if they say yes, I, I try to build on what they've heard, or I like, I like to hear them tell me what they remember the gospel to be from a born-again Christian perspective. And if they say no, I, I simply ask if I can share or summarize the gospel. And I was able to do that by telling the story how I had just shared the gospel with an agnostic. From there, we started to talk about the ancestry of the gods. So I wanted to make sure in our conversation, we had really gotten into another point of severe difference. This is addressing the Latter-day Saint a teaching historically that prior to God, there are ancestral deities, there's prior deities, there's a heavenly grandfather, so to speak, there's a family tree of deities. And our 
God, our particular God over this planet or this set of planets is over one branch of the family tree of the gods. So we, we ended up talking about this and they insisted that it was speculative. Its truth was unknown. They said they were unsure about it. It could be true. It could not be true. So I said that as, as Christians, we are not unsure about it. We worship gladly the original, the first, the ultimate, the most high God. It's not too deep to confirm. They had said, this is deep. <laughs> I said, this is, this is not too deep to, to apprehend and to, to confess and affirm. It might be too deep to comprehend and wrap our head around, but it's something that Christians teach their kids. This is something that we teach as early as we can. It's not something to put on the shelf. It's something to put our faith in. So let's, let's explain why is that different? Because it was Joseph Smith who really introduces this idea of an infinite regression of gods, that their God, the one they call Elohim or Heavenly Father, was once a man who's the offspring of another God who was once a man who's the offspring of another God who was once a man. In Mormon theology, they have no primary cause. You would think they would have to, but they don't ever talk about it. And they really can't, because in order to become a god, you have to first be, be a human. So in the beginning, for a Latter-day Saint, if they're to be consistent, in the beginning was man, because it takes a human in order to become a god. You don't start off as a god. That messes everything up, because that whole idea of what they call eternal progression just makes no sense. And it really doesn't, folks. It makes no sense whatsoever. But it is a teaching that I find most Latter-day Saints do affirm, that they started off in the pre-existence, now they're in mortality, and they hope, depending on what they believe and do here, it'll determine what they are in the next life. And even if they don't affirm it, they at least affirm the possibility of it. So they might hold it out in a non-committal way, uh, they don't say it's false, but they, they have a way of, of, of kind of holding it out and not necessarily owning it and committing it. And, they, and it, they'll acknowledge that their leaders taught it, but they don't feel the need to confess it publicly and own it before outsiders. What I did is I asked the pair, the brother and the sister, if I could show them a Bible verse on the topic. They gladly agreed to it. So I pulled out my Bible and I showed them Isaiah 43.10. Before me, no God was formed, neither shall there be any after me. And I showed them verse 6 of the next chapter, 44, where it says, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And it was really interesting because the brother, who had been quite courteous, at this point became quite stern. He said that this was deep doctrine and that God means for us to learn line upon line, precept upon precept, and that we really weren't ready to discuss or even to know about whether God had gods before him. Now, let me clarify for our listeners. When he says this is deep doctrine, I don't get the impression from what you've just said that he's talking about the passage you just read, because Isaiah 43.10 and 44.6 right. are pretty clear. There's not a lot of reading into this. It's very clear. This God had no previous gods before him. I and, had brought scripture to bear yeah. on this historic Latter-day Saint teaching of the regression or ancestry of the gods, and he could tell that this was a point of tension and a matter of repentance. So he wanted to say that this LDS teaching uh, of the ancestry of the gods was sort of off limits and that we were not ready to discuss it. So I replied by saying that Joseph Smith and Brigham Young themselves had publicly discussed it. They had taught it. 
And uh, this was a matter of public record that what I had to say as a Christian to him was not from some fringe Christian movement. I stand in solidarity with Christians throughout all of history in calling our beloved neighbors to faith and repentance. Repentance from worshiping a kind of cosmic regional deity who's not the first god. He's one among many. He has, he's downstream from other ancestral gods. And I'm calling them to repentance from that and faith in the source of everything good and true and beautiful, the most high original God, the God that says that he alone is God, who, who's never learned anything, Isaiah says. Uh, the book of Job and Romans 11 also say he's never received a gift as though he didn't already have it, uh, as though the other needed to be repaid. All things are from him and through him and to him. When the conversation ended, because you said that he became stern was yeah. the word that you used. What, what do you mean by that? Just all of a sudden, a jovial attitude kind of changed. So you had kind of, I guess, hit him between the eyes with God's word, and he didn't know how to react to that. And so this was his way of gracefully getting out of the conversation. And the reason why I asked that question, Aaron, is I, I think this is something that we probably need to talk about a little bit more. So why don't we continue discussing this experience that you had with this couple, this brother and sister in tomorrow's show. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.